Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. We, uh, for the last several weeks, have been looking at ways that uh, we can take God's Word and turn it from paper into practice and, and practicing, fleshing out, obeying the Word of God. And, you know, for many of us in the room uh, and many watching online, uh, I'm sure there are several of us that have uh, been walking with the Lord for years in our life, maybe some in here for decades. And then there are others who are new in their journey of faith. Uh, they, they haven't been doing it as long. And, uh, you know, when it comes to walking with the Lord and when it comes to putting our, our faith into practice and making sure that we're actually applying the scriptures to our life, one of the best ways to test if this is happening is, are you defeating temptation in your life more than it's defeating you? That's how we know many times, that's just a really quick litmus test to determine well, am I growing in the Lord? Am, is, my, is my walk with the Lord, is it getting better or, or is, it, is it waning? Is it getting worse? And, and so when we look at the temptations that we all encounter in life, uh, the, 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 the best way just to evaluate yourself is to say, well, am I winning sometimes? Am I winning when it comes to these temptations that, that I encounter? Now, we're never going to be sinless, right? We know that. We're never going to reach a place where we're not sinning at all. But as we grow in the Lord, we should be sinning less and less. And what begins to happen, at least in my experience in walking with the Lord, is that as I have in my life overcome certain temptations through the Lord, and those, those have lessened in my life, guess what? There's just new temptations that come along. And so the journey continues because he's trying to develop our character. And our character is always under construction. It's never complete. We, we never have um, uh, you know, character f- uh, fulfillment. Or, or if you're a computer person, there's never a 100% download. You know, it's, all, it's always just spinning and improving, hopefully, and hopefully that bar is, is moving up. And so last week we started talking about how we can defeat our temptations. Uh, we talked about how temptations work in our life, and, and then we, we talked just briefly at the end about some things that we can do to start experiencing some victory in our life. And this morning I, I want to continue that. And, and really, it's so practical, the things that, that we're going to be looking at God's Word today uh, about how we can defeat temptations in our life. Now, listen to me carefully. If you're, if you're sitting here thinking or if you're watching online and you're saying, well, I don't really have any temptations that I'm struggling with, 
guess what? That's called pride, and you got a big one. Okay? It's right there staring you in the face. All right? We, we all have temptations. We all have them. But sometimes we have become so accustomed to them, or we have yielded to them so much, that we in our mind and in our heart have justified them, or we've rationalized them, or we've said it's okay for me right now in this season of my life to do this. There's all kinds of things that we encounter. And so, and so what happens for you and I again, it's just a really good litmus test. Are, are you and I, are we winning with our temptations? And that's what I, I want us to focus on together this morning. So the number one way, the number one way to defeat temptation in your life is to flee from it. Okay? Flee. Look at what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, 22 through 26 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So let me tell you, flee these youthful desires. Why does he say that? Because no matter how old we are, we still deal with the same temptations that we had when we were young. We may get older, but our temptations stem from, many times, the things that we encountered as young people. And those temptations stay with us. Okay? That follow, am, I, is that, am, I, am I the only person that happens to? I mean, am I the only one? Me and four others. This is great. All right? Listen, you, you guys got to lighten up, all right? We all deal with temptations, okay? So, so don't sit here and act like you don't have any, because you do, all right? So he says, flee these evil desires of, of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses, and look at this, escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. All right, so... Let's unpack this just a little bit. You see, when you and I are encountering temptations in our life, these temptations to sin, we're doing one of three things. This is true for every one of us in the room. When we encounter a temptation, we're going to respond one of the following three, way, three ways. The first one is that we run away from them. That's what actually this verse, this passage starts off with, is that when these temptations come, flee it, run away from it, get, get away from this temptation. We're going to talk about what that looks like in just a minute, but that's one thing that we can do. We can run away from the temptation. The second thing that we can do with temptations is that we can encourage others to avoid them. All right, so, so we find this in this passage. We find Paul telling Timothy, look, when these temptations come, flee, but along the way, help others. Help other people with what they're going through and the temptations they have. Encourage them to live godly lives. 
So that's another thing that we can do when temptations come. We can run away from them. We can encourage others to avoid them. Or there's the third option, and that is we are trapped by them. That's what happens to every one of us when we encounter temptation. We're either running from it, encouraging others to avoid it, or we're trapped by it. There's no other options for you and I when it comes to encountering our temptations. Many times we do not recognize when we have been tempted and trapped. Okay? Now, as humans, what we have done is we have, you know, we kind of classify our sins. Some sins are really bad sins. And then they have these sins over here that, yeah, they're bad, but they're not as bad. And, anyway, and then we've got a whole group of sins over here that's like, oh, that's not, I'm not even sure that's a sin anymore. And, and, we, and we live our lives and justify our actions based upon the sins that we think are really bad. Now, here's, here's the thing. Some of us think some sins are really, really bad, while someone else looks at that same sin and says it's not that bad. And so then each person is determining for themselves really what's good and what's bad. And that, that, gets, really, that gets really hairy, okay? And we don't, we, we, because we're, we're different. And so that's why the Word of God is so important, because the Word of God tells us what sin is. And the Word of God tells us that sin is equal, and, and when it comes to God's eyes, sins are all equal in His eyes. Now, consequences to sins are not equal. Okay? The consequence for telling a lie and the consequence of murder, very different consequences. But in God's eyes, they are both unholy. Does that make sense? And so we're all encountering some type of temptations in our life. And so in our minds, we all think, well, here's the temptations I have. And for many of us, typically it's the really bad sin. It's the sin in our life that we think is really bad. And we don't want anyone to know about it. We don't want anyone to know that it's there. We don't, anyone, we don't want anyone to know that we've given into it, maybe in the past or, or in the recent past. And that's a really bad sin. And, and so what happens to us is many times we focus on that really bad sin, that really bad temptation. And as we're focused on that really bad one, a boatload of temptations we fall into and get trapped by and we don't ever see them. We're so zeroed in on this one thing that I don't want anyone to do and I'm really fighting it, I'm really struggling with it. And then over here there's just a boatload of things that, and we get trapped. We get trapped. And so we don't always recognize our temptations or when we're being trapped by them. I mean, he, he mentions some things here just in this passage that we read. So I'll just ask you, do you always recognize when you're being pulled into a stupid argument? Look at social media. And look at how many people get pulled into that. People sitting right here in this room, people watching online who say they love the Lord Jesus. And I'm sure they do. But we get pulled into it. Look at, look at some of the things he mentioned. He, he talked about, uh, do you, so do you recognize when you're not being kind? Well, you probably need to ask someone who's close to you. They'll let you know. Do you recognize when you're not being teachable? That's a really hard one because when we're not being teachable, we're firmly set in our mind we know what we're doing. 
And I don't need someone to tell me what. And it's really hard to realize, oh, I'm not being teachable in that moment. Do you recognize when you're resenting someone? Some of us might. Some of us may not. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There is always a way out to endure the temptation. Always. It doesn't matter what the temptation is. There is always a way out to endure it. And so what I want us to think about this morning while we're together is I want us to think about the way out. If God, if God has promised us there's always a way out, how come we're not finding it sometimes? If it's always there, why are we not seeing it when it's there? And even if we see it, why would we not take it? Okay, that's what I want us to think about. It's pretty practical stuff. And I'm, I'm telling you that this is, this is stuff that I believe for some in the room, some watching online, this, this, what, what we're going to look at together today is going to set you on a path of victory in your life that you, you didn't know existed. And it's easy. It's, it really is easy, but it is a matter of saying, okay, Lord, I'm serious about this. I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be different. And if that is really the desire of your heart, I'm telling you, you can walk out of here today victorious on something you are terribly ashamed of right now. And it's that easy and it's that available. So how do we find the way out? First, we must get our minds on the right things. We must get our minds on the right things. The battle over temptations is won and lost in our thoughts. We've talked about this before. Temptations are not things outside of us. Temptations are things that come from within our heart. And Satan offers a suggestion over a desire that's already in our heart. And he uses that to get us to fulfill that desire apart from God's plan for us. That's how this works. And so we, when those thoughts come, must figure out how to refocus our thoughts. We can't stop thoughts. Have you ever tried to stop a thought? I do not encourage it. Because here's what happens. If a thought pops into our head and, and it's, a, it's a temptation and we say, oh, I don't want to think that way. Stop thinking like, stop having that thought. Stop thinking that way. Do you know what you're doing? You are embedding that further into your thinking. You're actually embedding it deeper into your mind. So you never try to stop your thoughts. But what we try to do is refocus our thoughts. That's how we flee mentally. When he says flee those youthful desires, those youthful desires start in our brains. And so when those thoughts come into our brains, we must refocus our thoughts. Look at what Philippians 4.8 says. Fix your thoughts 
on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, here's what happens. Our spidey senses get in the way, you know. What I'm calling spidey senses is our vision, our hearing, our smelling, our taste, our experiences that we've had in life. Those things are things that the thoughts can come from. And when they, when they come, there's no way, there's no way to keep them from, from, from happening. But when they come, we must refocus. Now, when it comes to fleeing, all right, sometimes, literally, we must flee a situation. We must, there, there's a group of people, I just can't be with those group of people. That, that's fleeing that temptation. So there's, there's some things on TV I just can't watch. I, I must flee that. I can't go to that channel. I can't go to those things on the internet. I must flee those things. That's part of fleeing, okay? But the other part of fleeing is that when we have the thought in our mind, we flee that thought by refocusing on something good. Something that is noble and pure and righteous and good. And it's not always something spiritual. For instance, there's been many times in my life where I'm tempted to do something that's not right. As a guy, I'll just say there's all kinds of times there's tempted. I'm, I'm tempted to watch things that I shouldn't watch. And when that happens, I got, what can I do? Sometimes all I need to do is go wash the dishes. That's all I need to do for that temptation to go away. Get up from the couch, change the channel, go at the sink, and wash the dishes. And you'll be surprised how I just, I, I fleed that thought. I ran away from it. And I refocused myself on serving my wife. If nothing else, she appreciated that I washed the dishes. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not, it's not, it doesn't mean that you always have to run and open up your Bible and have a Bible study. Sometimes you might need to, but not always. Sometimes it's just refocusing, getting our thoughts on something else, and we have run away from the temptation. That was just in our brain. That's the only place that it was. But in our brain, we have run away from it. Does this make sense? It's pretty simple. But it is, it, it can be, it can be challenging. It can be challenging. Because it is possible to, to attempt to refocus and the temptation follow you. And, 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 and you, must, you must learn to lean into the Lord when that happens. And say, okay, Lord, I'm actively trying to get away from this temptation. We are not ever told in the Bible to resist a temptation. We are only told to run away from it. That's what we're told to do. We are never told to fight a temptation. Always we are told to run away from it. So you figure out, how can I refocus? How can I refocus? My thoughts are chasing me. I'm trying to refocus, but this temptation is chasing me in my thoughts. What can I do? Well, there, the, the scriptures help us. Look at, look at what we... First, Second Corinthians 10, 5, it says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if we're serious about confronting our temptations and, and serious about having victory, 
We must manage our minds and the venues that awaken our temptations. The triggers. We talked about those last week. But we must manage those two things to begin to encounter victory in our life over our temptations. Now then you're saying, well, Pastor Kerry, I, you know, I've tried that stuff. I've done that. And it, I'm not having a lot of victory. I'm still struggling with this and that and the other. Well, if practicing this doesn't help you, the second thing you and I can do to have victory is that we should share our struggle with a godly friend or support group. Look at what the Bible says, Ecclesiastes 4. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. It's not just talking about the practicality of falling in a hole and someone helping you out. He's talking about our spiritual life. That in our walk with the Lord, if we are trying to walk alone with the Lord, which by the way, you will not find that anywhere in the scriptures. People who are typically walking alone in faith have created their own cult. Their own personal cult and how they relate to the Lord. If you read the scriptures, we are told over and over and over again that our journey of faith is a shared journey with the people that God has placed in our life. And when it comes to our temptations, if we can't, if we can't beat it, and can I just tell you, many, some temptations cannot be beat alone. They cannot. They just cannot be beat alone. Because God wants us to walk together in faith. Let me be clear about something. If you are losing a battle with a temptation, and you have an addiction, or you have a sin habit that you cannot break, and if you are thinking, I will get better at this, I will handle this, I will overcome this, let me tell you something, you will not. You will not. If you are consistently being defeated by that, and that's been going on for some time in your life. And you think you're going to beat it later. Just you and Jesus, you're going to beat it later. I'm telling you, you will not. You will not. God's plan for our spiritual growth always involves other people engaging with us. Always. Look at what James 5.16 says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen, that doesn't mean that we have to announce our struggles from the rooftops. What it means is that you sit down at the kitchen table with a godly friend and someone who loves you and you tell them. Because you know they love you and they care for you, and they have no desire to hurt you or embarrass you, but instead to help you. And listen, that, that requires humility, 
which is very important in our Christian walk. The Bible says that if we're not humble, God actually opposes us. He opposes us if we're not willing to be humble. But admitting to someone that I'm struggling in an area and to sit down, that takes great humility. But it also is the doorway to victory. Look at what, look at what, um, look at what James 4, 6 says. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Humbling ourselves before God, if we're really serious about that, do you know what will begin to happen? You will humble yourself before people. I've never known a humble person who was humble before God, but arrogant with everybody else. They go hand in hand. They work together. If we're arrogant a bunch with, with people and we think we're going to put on airs that we've got it all together and that I've got it all figured out and I don't need any help. I'm, I'm spiritually where I'm supposed to be and I'm not struggling in any area. Can I just tell you, you're not playing a different game with God. We're not humble with God and then act like we got it all together with everybody else. It's, we, we, we do them the same. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we tell everybody what's going on. But, but we develop relationships. In our, this is why we encourage people to get in small groups. Why we encourage people to go on mission trips. Why we encourage people to serve the Lord together. Why is that? So that you can meet someone and realize that that's a trusted friend in my life. And I can share matters of faith with them. And they will not use that against me. That's why we strive so hard to create those opportunities. Let me be clear with something. Please understand this this morning. If there is a temptation or a sin in your life that you cannot speak to anyone else about, it already controls you. It already controls you. If you can't speak to anyone about it. See, our pride gets in the way. We don't want others thinking that we have a problem, so we don't want to admit it. But you know what the other thing is? And I'm seeing more and more of this. I've been seeing it for a while. We're going we're gonna to deal with it more in the next several weeks. But do you know what really works against many of us in being humble? There's pride. That's part of it. But you know what the other part is? Being humble takes time. You can't be humble in thirty in a, in a tweet. You can't be humble in in, in, a, in a voice snippet. No, no. You be humble by sitting down with someone, looking in the eye, letting them look you in the eye, and you tell your story. And that takes time. And all of us have said we're too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to be in a small group. I'm too busy to make friends. I'm too busy. I'm too busy literally to walk with the Lord. I am too busy. Now, I believe in Him. I believe in the Lord. But I don't walk with Him. Because I'm too busy to walk with Him. 
I, I don't have time to read my Bible in the morning. I don't have time to pray somewhere unless it's, unless it's just these little quick 30-second prayers. There's nothing wrong with those except imagine having a relationship with your spouse that way. That the only time you talk to them is in 30-second snippets when you need something. That's not much of a relationship. You're not going to stay married very long. But yet, that's how many of us try to walk with the Lord. This takes time. This takes time. It takes time to be humble. And that's why so many of us are trapped by our temptations. And we're not experiencing victory in our life. Because we simply won't take the time to have victory. And humble ourselves. And develop some of these relationships. So after we have submitted ourselves to God and humbled ourselves before others, the third thing is that we actively resist the devil. Okay? Listen, we don't try, we don't try to resist the devil until, until we've done some of these other things, okay? But what do we mean by resist the devil? James 4, 7 says it this way, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now here's what's interesting. We are told to flee our temptations, but we're also told to resist the devil and he will flee from us. We've got to get the proper order of running here. We run from temptations. When we run from temptations, that is resisting the devil. And then when we resist the devil, guess what? He flees from us. So we've got to get that running in the proper order. So how do we do this? Well, first of all, Ephesians 6.17 tells us, it says, Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Which is the Word of God. So listen, you and I, we can't say no to the devil till we've said yes to Jesus first. Until we have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ and called upon Him to be our Savior. Until we have confessed to Him the fact that we need Him and that the grace that He offers from the cross for the for, uh, to, to cover our personal sins, until we have received that grace, you and I will always be the puppet of the devil. Always. Because we can't resist him apart from Christ. And, he, and Paul uses this, this imagery of the helmet of salvation. That once we enter into this relationship with Christ, it's, it's, we put on the helmet. Why a helmet? Because salvation guards our thinking. Salvation begins to rewire the way we perceive ourselves, the way we perceive the world, the way we perceive other people, the way we perceive God interacting with us. All of that begins to change our thinking. And when our thinking changes, guess what changes next? The way we feel will change. The way we behave will change. Our habits will change. The way we do things will all change. Because our thinking changed through Jesus Christ. And then once that happens, he, he, not only does he, does he uh, change the way we think, he has given us the word of God. This is what we use to resist the devil in our life, to resist temptations. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we spent an entire time together where we talked about how the truth should change us. Um, and and, and it's, it was all about how do we use the word of God in our life. And, and really, it boils down to five things. One, you must first make sure you have the right attitude towards God's Word. Is this really the truth, or is this just another option? 
If this is the truth, then it starts there. If it's the truth, read it. If it's the truth, study it. If it's the truth, memorize it. If it's the truth, meditate on it. And by all of the authority in heaven, my goodness, if it's the truth, obey it. Do what it says. And those are the ways we begin to resist the devil in our life. And he flees from us. The fourth thing I'd like to point out is that never we are to never think of ourselves I'm not, cra- I'm not capable of great evil. Don't ever think don't ever think you're not capable of something. I have, I have sat with many people after they have done something they said they would never do. I've sat with many people. Don't ever think you're not capable of great evil. We are all capable of great evil. And if it were not, if it were not for the grace of God and, and, and for how He works in our life, we, we could do anything. We could do anything. And the scriptures are pretty, pretty clear about this. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 it says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful that you don't fall. If you think you got it together, be careful. Be careful. I, uh, I sometimes read uh, a paraphrase of the scriptures called the message. And Gene Patterson wrote the message. And, and so I want you to read his paraphrase of this verse. It's going to pop up on the screen. Go to the, go to the next slide. It says, uh, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. I just like the way he says it. There's a lot of truth to that. So this morning, you know, as, as, as we get ready uh, to, to close our time together, there's, there's a couple of tough questions that, that I want to ask before we leave our time together this morning. The first question is simply this. What are you pretending is not a problem in your life? What are you pretending is not a problem? You know, you, you think about your life and, and, you, and you think about your walk with the Lord. Listen. If, if you want God to speak to you, if you want God to, if you want to have a, an encounter with the living uh, Almighty God, ask Him what sins are in your life. And He will tell you. He's not telling you to shame you. He's not telling you to make you feel bad. He already knows you feel bad. He starts with that sin because that's the one He wants to see defeated first. In your life. So what are you pretending is not a problem? What are you afraid to talk about? What are you afraid to share with someone else? Oh, no one could ever know this in my life. I'll tell you something, that secret, that secret is a thumb that Satan uses to hold you down. Who could you ask? 
Who could you ask to be a spiritual partner to defeat your temptations? Who could you bring into that circle? Sometimes people say, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an appointment and talk with Pastor Kerry. You can always talk to me, but you know what? I can't be in all of your circle. I can't, I can't be at God. I'm not special. I'm really not. I know I think I am sometimes, but I know I'm not special. Okay, I don't have a corner on God. I don't have a corner on Jesus Christ. He has imparted inside each one of us the ability to help one another. And what's in us is called His Spirit, the Spirit of God. If you have received Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God dwells in you. That Spirit of God will help you, but it will also allow you to help someone else. So who could you bring into your circle? Who could you bring in?